Before we get into today's broadcast, I want to let you know about a special gift I have for you. I am so excited that we are walking together through the book of Hebrews. Friends, we're going chapter by chapter, phrase for phrase, sometimes word for word. And I want to send you a Hebrews Bible journal. This would allow you to take your own sermon notes as we study together. You can journal your prayers, and I know this is going to be a great complement to your study through the book of Hebrews with us. If you go to my website, awakenedtograce.com, find the Hebrews Bible Journal link, and when you give a generous gift of any amount, then I will send you this Hebrews Bible Journal that I know is going to enrich your walk with the Lord and your study of Scripture. Welcome to Awaken to Grace. I'm Chad Roberts, and I am thrilled that you are with me today because we begin a brand new journey as we are going to study verse by verse, chapter by chapter through the book of Hebrews. And what a fascinating study this is going to be. I am calling it Hebrews, an anchor for the soul. And today we are going to kick off by answering the question, who wrote the book of Hebrews. We're going to explore that together. And then we're going to see how God has always been speaking to humanity. We see that in verse 1. We see it in verse 2. And we are going to see how Christ is the language of God. Oh, I'm so glad you're with me today. Now, as we go through the book together, I have something I would love to send you. For those of you who would come alongside of me and Awaken to Grace and consider a financial gift because all the platforms we are on are quite expensive. And whatever you are listening to this sermon today on, it's because people just like you love the spreading of the gospel. And they help us spread this gospel. They help us go on these platforms and speak and preach and teach and apply the Bible in a way that transforms our lives. Well, for those of you that would want to come alongside us, I want to send you a Bible journal only of the book of Hebrews. It is a beautiful paperback. One side is the text. The other side is a journal for notes, and you can follow me all through the book and take your own notes. I know you would enjoy it. So go to my website, awakenedtograce.com. Look there in the homepage, and you will see the journal, and you will see how you can come alongside us and how you can be a great help, a great support to the ministry of Awakened to Grace. Well, today let's go Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2 as we grow together. Well, today we began a brand new journey through the book of Hebrews. Many have asked me how long we'll be in the book, and quite truthfully, I don't know. 
uh, we're just going to take our time. The last time that we spent a considerable amount was going through the book of Revelation. And we did it, uh, maybe it was 24, 26 sermons, weeks, maybe half a year we spent there. At one point, we spent two years in the book of Acts. We took some time off in between sections, and I don't know if that's what we'll do in Hebrews or not, but we're just going to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Today, we're not going to get very far, but I think what you'll find in the content is that uh, it's some good ribeye. It's some good biblical ribeye. And although we're not going to get in very many verses today, I think that you are going to feel well fed by the word of God. So let's pray together before we get into our text. We're only going to be in verses 1 and 2 today. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you are leading us in triumphal procession. I thank you for every Bible study that's happening right now in our church. I thank you for every small group, for every night of prayer that we're having, God. I thank you for every ministry and every program. I thank you, God, for the streaming and the outreach. I thank you, God, that today Redeem the Streets Ministries has our first meeting back where we're, we minister to the homeless today at 2 o'clock. I thank you, God, for the leadership program that's happening right now and the development that you're doing. I thank you for the hundreds of things you're doing right now, things we can see as well as the things we can't see. Lord, I pray that as we dive into the book of Hebrews, you'll cause your word to explode in our hearts, to take root there and to bear fruit to your glory. Give us an ability to understand what is sometimes a complicated book. There are many mysteries in this book. There are many things that causes us to you know, at face value to scratch our heads. But yet you will make it plain to us. So we rely on you right now, Holy Spirit, to guide us into all truth, to help us to understand the text, and to speak directly into our lives. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2 is as far as we will get today. But note what it says. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our forefathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he is speaking to us through his son, by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom he created the world. Friends, there are many layers in these scriptures and we're just going to pick it apart today, and I trust that you will get a good foundation, uh, and, and we'll, we'll continue to lay a foundation over several weeks for Hebrews. But first of all, let's explain a couple of things about the book. Number one, who is the book written to? Well, the book was first written to, exactly as it says, Hebrews, a Jewish audience. But these were Jewish Christians. These would have been... Uh, Jewish believers in Christ who had come out of Judaism. Now, this was uh, such a transition period 
When was the book written? It was written before the temple was destroyed in 70 AD. See, you, you, you and I, as the well majority of us in the room today are Gentiles, you and I don't understand when it comes to Judaism, uh, there have been no priestly activities. There have been no animal sacrifices. There have been no uh, temple rituals since 70 AD when the temple was destroyed. And you remember that Jesus prophesied. He predicted the destruction of the temple. The historian Josephus tells us that because so many Jesus followers in that day in 70 AD, they remembered the words of Jesus When Rome began to surround the city, when Titus, the general, began to siege the city, they got out. They did exactly as Jesus said, and it saved so many lives. But so many perished in the crushing of Jerusalem. They destroyed the temple just as Jesus said it would be. Jesus said that not one stone would be left upon the other. And Titus wanted the gold so much within the temple that as they had melted gold through the years, through the centuries, the gold had seeped in between all the stones of the floor. And Titus ordered his men to remove the stones to get the gold. And what did the Lord Jesus say? Not one stone would be left upon another. Since that time, there have been no priest activities, no animal sacrifices. But you must understand, the book of Hebrews was written before the destruction of the temple. I find that so fascinating because God was truly preparing his people. That the author of Hebrews would say, all of these things you see, the temple and the priest, all of, they are all but shadows of the true reality, which is Christ. So who was he writing to? He was writing to the Hebrews, to Jewish believers. And now they had come out of Judaism. They had come out of the law. They had come out of the ceremonies. They had come out of the rituals. And now they were following Jesus. But what inevitably happened to them? They began to drift back to what was comfortable. They began to drift back to their old lifestyle. And rather than looking to Christ for their salvation, they began to mix a little bit of Christ with a little bit of Judaism. And so the author is going to present five great warnings in this book. He presents the warnings that first we drift from the word and then we become dull of hearing the word. We'll get into all of those five Eventually, the fifth one, we become defiant to the word. And this book is a great word of warning to believers. And it's a great word of warning to those who want to mix Jesus with other things in their life. Well, the theme of the book is that Christ is superior. The theme is that Christ is better. The word better is going to appear 13 times in the book. The word perfect, as it's used in the original Greek, meaning complete and lacking nothing, is going to appear 14 times in the original Greek. The word eternal is a major theme throughout the entire book, that Christ has secured an eternal redemption, an eternal blood offering, an eternal priesthood. Over and over, we're going to find the eternal work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And what we find in the book 
is if you want the true security that Christ offers your soul, you'll find it only in the Lord Jesus Christ and in no religion, no ritual, no ceremony, no good work, no law, only within Christ. It is a masterful letter. And we're going to pick it apart to the very best of our ability. Well, the big question, the big mystery in Hebrews, we know who the audience is. And we know roughly when the book was written. What we do not know is who wrote the book. Now, (laughs) I think of some of my favorite Bible teachers who are now in heaven. And I believe they now know who the author was. But on this earth, we will not know. Now, church historians have always speculated. Some believe it could have been Barnabas. They believe that because of the style that the Greek was written in. I love the idea that perhaps it may have been Barnabas, that great son of encouragement. Some speculate that it could have been Apollos. Paul spoke very highly of Apollos, and you know he had a gift with his words. The scriptures say he was mighty in the scriptures. The, so much Old Testament is quoted in the book of Hebrews that I love to think that Apollos may have been the author. Some think it could have been Priscilla and Aquila, that great husband and wife team. Aquila and his wife Priscilla were tent makers and master disciple makers. I love that thought. It could have been them. But the fact is, there's hardly no evidence of who it could be. And of course, the majority think it was the Apostle Paul. I'll tell you why I think it was Paul. There's a number of reasons why I think Paul very well may have been the author of this book. The great question is, why would he not have signed it when he signed all of his other letters? I think perhaps an explanation was that Paul was called to the Gentiles, correct? Peter was called to the Jews. I find it interesting that Peter writes in his first letter that Paul writes things that are difficult to understand, difficult to interpret. I think that was Peter alluding that Paul wrote the book of Hebrews. But although Paul was called to the Gentiles, not to the Hebrews, he still loved the Jewish people. Remember what he says in Romans. If I could be cut off and Israel saved, I would do that. Read what he says about Israel in Romans 9, 10, and 11, especially chapter 11. Paul loved his people. And I do believe that it was Paul who wrote the book. Another reason why I so strongly believe it is, did you know that Paul had almost a secret code within his letters? I like to think it. Secret code is probably a poor choice of words, but I like to think of it that way. If you remember when he wrote 2 Thessalonians to the people of Thessalonica, there apparently were forged letters of Paul. That's why he told the Galatians, I write this with my own hand. There were some forgeries happening that people were saying, well, Paul says this, or I teach it. And they were causing confusion among the church, especially in Thessalonica. And Paul writes 2 Thessalonians to clarify what he had written in 1 Thessalonians to establish the people more. But Paul is the only New Testament author who ends his letters... With a bit of a code. And do you know what Paul says? In every one of them. 
grace and peace to you. That was sort of Paul's, this is legitimate. This is how the church knows it is me. No other New Testament author used it. Isn't that interesting? And do you know how Hebrews ends? With grace and peace. Why would Paul not have identified himself? Well, he was seen as hostile by the Jews because he preached to the Gentiles. I think it would have further alienated him from the Jewish people. Perhaps is why he did not identify himself. Now, the readers obviously knew who it was, for he uses words like us and we and you know. And so it's clear that the audience knew who he was. But another reason, too, is because Paul always identified himself as an apostle, right? Well, in Hebrews, the author speaks of Christ and his apostleship. I think another reason why Paul perhaps did not identify himself was because he was not going to elevate himself up with the Lord. It was another way that he kept the Lord elevated. Was it Paul? I think most likely. Not everyone agrees with that. But you know what my thinking is? My thinking is I don't so much care who built the bridge. I want to know how sturdy it is and will it hold. You want me to tell you who the real author of Hebrews is? The Holy Spirit. For he authored all 66 of the books. Amen? Amen. So I don't get hung up with who the author was. I have some feelings. I have some hunches. I do believe it was Paul. But I love the idea that perhaps the Holy Spirit used Apollos or Aquila and Priscilla or Barnabas. We know whoever it was was in Paul's inner circle. And uh, another, another thing is that Paul identified, uh, whoever the author was, identifies that they had been imprisoned, which would have been another link to Paul. Um, he mentions Timothy in the end. He mentions being in Italy at the end. Again, links to Paul. So for those reasons, I think Paul very well may have written the book. But who was it written to? The audience was Jewish believers. And what was the problem? The problem was that even while the temple still stood, they were drifting back to Judaism. And so whoever the Holy Spirit moved upon, whether Paul or someone else, their goal is to identify these believers as Christ's followers, to help them in their identity that you are now bought with an eternal blood. You are bought with an eternal redemption. You now belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. Friends, we need that same message today in our culture, in this church age in which you and I live. So we're going to gain so much from the book. Let's, let's begin. Verse number one. Let's understand what the writer is saying by the inspiration that he wrote under the Holy Spirit. First of all, notice verse one. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke. The first thing I want you to note in our study of Hebrews is that God is always speaking to humanity. I love Psalm 33, verse 9. It teaches, for God has spoken. God is always speaking to humanity. As a matter of fact, you go all the way back to Genesis 1.1, and how did God create the universe? He did not use one tool. He did not use one equipment, not one device, not one machine. How did God create the universe? 
He spoke it into existence. Friends, that's why we are created in the very image of God. That's why out of all of God's earthly creations, nothing has the ability to articulate, to communicate the way that humanity does. Why? Because we're more than just flesh and bones. We are a spirit. We are a soul that is created in the very image of our creator. And therefore we can speak. And that's exactly why the word says that the power of life and death are in the tongue because your words matter. Why do your words matter? Because you're created in the image of your creator and nothing else is. God spoke to humanity. I don't want to blow past this. I want to get this deep in our spirit today. God is speaking today. Amen. Can you know the voice of God? How do you know when God is speaking to you? How do you know what God is saying to you? I'm telling you, God has always spoken to humanity. God will always speak to humanity. Amen. Are you listening for him? I want to call today's sermon, Jesus, the language of God. How did God speak? Now, I want you to understand this. What the author is going to do quite brilliantly, in my opinion. Now, remember the audience. These are Jewish Christians, people of the way, people born again by the Spirit of God. They've heard the gospel secondhand. These are not people who witnessed Jesus. These are not people that walked with Jesus. These are people that the gospel penetrated the culture, and now they've given their lives to the Lord but they're incredibly Jewish as well. And they keep drifting back to Judaism. And I want you to watch how the author, with a beautiful brush, just blends these two covenants. And how does he show the unity of the two covenants? How is he going to take the old covenant, and now what later we're going to learn in the book is now the better covenant? When Christ did the Last Supper with his followers, what did he say? He said, I'll not partake again of the bread and the wine until of this, what did he call it? The new covenant until I'm in my kingdom, that great millennial kingdom reign. The great marriage supper of the Lamb. That's what he was referring to. Christ called it a new covenant. Hebrews calls it a better covenant. And watch how he blends the two covenants. Watch this. He blends it by saying, God is speaking. God spoke in the old covenant. How? In many ways, at many times, through the prophets. But in these last days, God is still speaking. But what's he speaking? Jesus. Let's understand the difference. What did he mean in many times, in many ways? What he's speaking of refers from Abraham to Malachi. From Abraham, the time that God called Israel to be a nation. The time that God set Abraham as a father to the nations. He is referring to that time of the covenant under Abraham all the way to the closing of the book of Malachi, what we would call that old covenant, that Old Testament time period. And God says he spoke in many ways at many times. What's he mean by that? Listen, God spoke through dreams. God spoke through visions. God spoke through the law. God spoke through precepts. 
God spoke through prophets. There were numerous ways that God constantly spoke to humanity. God always getting the attention of his people. God spoke through captivities. God spoke multiple. God spoke through the Red Sea. God spoke through the giving of the Ten Commandments. God spoke through the tabernacle. There were so many numerous ways that God spoke to humanity. And that was the old covenant. And you know what the author's doing so brilliantly? He is showing that Judaism was the stamp of God's approval. He is showing that Judaism was the divine order of God. He's saying, brothers and sisters, you are not wrong because God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. God had something to say and God said it in the way that he did in the old covenant. But now there's gonna be a, con- there's a unity of God speaking, but there's a contrast in how he's doing it today. And what does he say? But in these last days. If you enjoyed today's broadcast and would like to hear more great content, you can always download our free mobile app, Awakened to Grace, where you can request prayer, find sermons, articles, blogs, music, podcasts, as well as support us financially. You can also visit either of our websites at www.preachingchristchurch.com or www.awakenedtograce.com for more information about our church, or our resource ministry. Thank you for listening to Awakened to Grace.